Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Money grows on the tree of persistence. And that's an old Japanese proverb. Hello, bonjour, hola, konnichiwa. Thanks for tuning in again to The Profitable Photographer. I'm really excited to chat with our next guest all about money mindset, creating wealth with a side order of wildlife photography. But before I introduce Julie, I want to invite you to join my private Facebook group, The Profitable Photographer, and also to like my business page, The Profitable Photographer page with Lucy Dumas. And then I would love for you to share something you've learned from this or another recent episode so others can hear the goodness. So thanks for doing that. And of course, thanks for subscribing, reviewing, and telling your friends about the show. Be sure to stay to the end for my wrap-up of today's episode. So I am super excited to have a new friend, Julie Steelman. She's an author, an award-winning wildlife photographer, and she's a wealth and cash flow creation coach. She earned her way out of corporate America at the age of 47, but her journey to financial success started 30 years earlier. And I'm going to ask her about her Wild Kingdom uh, journey in a little bit. She'll share that. But her defining moment, she's going to share about her own wild instinct and how that carried her through corporate America to generate over $100 million in revenue. She's authored multiple books and is about to release her first book ever called Wild Sacred Beauty. So welcome, Julie Steelman. Hi, Lucy. It's so good to share the airwaves with you. Love being here. Thank you. Thanks for joining me and thanks for reminding me that I wanted you on my show. (laughs) (laughs) Where do you live, Julie? I'm in Monterey, California. Oh, nice. Pretty quiet up there right now in COVID land in Monterey. Yeah, it's great. I mean, we have low incidents, so we're all still moving around and getting outside. It's a very beautiful, lots of wildlife, nature sort of infested area, if you will. So everybody's very athletic and outdoorsy. So we're still doing that. We just all have masks on. Yeah. One of my favorite days ever was kayaking in the bay, seeing otters close up, all hanging on to the seaweed and stuff. Yep. So yes. Uh, Maybe I'll just drive up there soon. Tell me about your Wild Kingdom moment. This is really far back in the day. There was a show on television called Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. If you haven't heard of it, Google it because you'll love it. It was sort of one of the first revolutionary TV shows where they brought into U.S. homes videos of wildlife in Africa. So this little kid, seven years old, they would sit glued to the TV Back then, we didn't have voice remotes, so you had to get up and go change the channel yourself, and there were only 13 of them. (laughs) I remember when there were only three, Julie. Right. Then we put tinfoil on the rabbit ears and our antennas to move them around to find the best way to receive the reception. Yep. It's really extraordinary how far we've come in terms of technology, but suffice it to say, I was that little girl whose heart just blew open wide. And I knew that before I died, the only thing that mattered really was that I get to go to Africa. It was that big of a dream for me. 
I knew that in my circumstances, I would have to make my own money and have my own time in order for that to be so. That decision set me on this incredible path through college, through my corporate career, that put me on this golden through line of really focusing on how to resolve all of my money issues, my money challenges, my money beliefs, the stuff I told myself, the stuff everybody else told me about money, and especially women and money is a whole nother thing. Yeah. How you couldn't live your dream, but you had to adhere to the rules of society. You either married a man for money or, and, and security, not just for that, but that was one of the beliefs during my time, or that you got a corporate job and you apprenticed your way through the top by staying within that one corporation for years and years and years and years. That's how my dad did it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't like any of these options because I didn't ever want any person, place or circumstance to have leverage over me financially. I wanted that freedom. And that's what I was always after. I went into corporate and I chose a career in sales because it was the only way I wasn't stuck in an office in a desk outside someone else's cubicle deciding once a year if they would give me a two and a half percent raise. I'm like, that is, I'm never going to get to where I want to go that way. So I went into sales. It wasn't easy. And then I found my way and I found my stride and I resolved a lot of my challenges around money and profit and pricing and business models, offers and what to charge and how to talk about it so that people would really get what I was offering and I was bringing them solutions. I was bringing them love and joy, right? I was gonna show them the way so they could have more than enough too. And it started working. My goal was always to retire early because I never wanted to really be in that paradigm. So I retired at the age of 47, live financially free. And my, my late husband and I moved to Hawaii and we started gallivanting around the world. My therapy for a chaotic corporate career was being an underwater photographer. I always wanted to be where the animals were. That leads me to here. That is such a fun story. Here's a little connect the dot. My business before photography, I worked in the San Diego airport for Mutual of Omaha. No way. <laughs> selling travel insurance and no way. currency ex exchange. Yep. Wow. My mom would always say, why don't you get a job at the airline so that you and I get free flight? And I said, I want to earn enough money that I can pay for my own flights easily. I haven't gone to Africa, but I have traveled extensively. So yeah, so there's a little improv. I've taken some improv classes. We might call that a callback. So maybe we'll bring up Mutual Omaha again. <laughs> okay, I'm taking improv too. So now we could like, this is a whole, Whoa. we're going to a whole other dimension here. Oh, yes, and. Yes, and sister. And uh, zip. Zap. Zop. <laughs> <laughs> That's the secret language of improvers. Yes, it is. Yeah. And I have to say, because Julie is going to be launching a podcast. One of them is launching this week and she has another in the works. And yep. I think that my couple of years of improv classes helped me be able to get on the phone here one day I realized that I think my improv classes set me up for the life of a podcaster, being yeah. able to listen, not uh, just like listen until there's a break and then say whatever I was thinking of and ignoring the speaker. So how fun. I didn't know that. Okay. I want to talk to you about that money mindset topic because I know that is your yeah. passion. 
and that this all connects the dots. You set your own path to abundance and then how you love to share with others. Yeah. My years in corporate really showed me I had so many friends, colleagues, and even a lot of my corporate clients are now entrepreneurs. It's really interesting. Wanted to follow this journey of, I said earlier, right, that you weren't supposed to be able to live your dream and making living. That was the programming that I had. And my parents went through the depression, so that wasn't a reality in their world. And today there's so much more freedom. Sometimes you have to work through those old patterns and belief systems. Mine was, I, I like, all I want to do is something I love to do for money and it fund my globe trotting and my wildlife habit. Like really that was, it was as simple and clear as that. I've oriented my life around living that way because that was my dream that I yearned for. And I was so committed to fulfilling my dream that I would say that the path to finding my way through and my way out of corporate America at the age of 47 living financially free is a direct result of first orienting myself around believing wholeheartedly in my vision, dedicating myself to that. Flesh that out a little. Like, do you have, let's say, three things that you did in that belief system or like how you kept a hold of that? Well, I think First of all, the biggest thing is that most of us are just taught when it comes to making money or being profitable or having more than enough and creating wealth is it's about doing. Partially it is, but I actually think there's more to it than that. You and I were talking about the metaphysical side of things, and I actually think there's a very spiritual component to it. And it starts with, and even if you're spiritual or not, doesn't matter, it starts with are you really telling yourself the truth? If you had a hundred million dollars in the bank and you were doing whatever it is that made you so happy, you couldn't wait to get out of bed. Like John Bon Jovi says, he has the best job in the world and he wouldn't care if he never got paid for it, right? Like that's what we're looking for here is that most people aren't even really in touch with what they deeply yearn for and what they most want to live like. When you tap into that and you say, I'm going to follow, I call it following the leadership of that vision, then all this other stuff unfolds for you. I'm not going to say it's easy, but it becomes more clear what to do and where to go. And you become less willing to compromise, to barter, to sell your soul, so to speak, to make money you start focusing on the things that matter to you. And that, I think, is a whole context shift that sets the stage, right? That's the first thing. Yes. Are you an Abraham follower? Yes. We have a lot in common, Miss Julie. They talk about upstream versus downstream. And I think that's maybe yep. what you're talking about, that yep. if we're trying, trying, trying to do something, it's like we're paddling upstream. When we allow ourselves to go downstream, and I love that phrase you said, follow the leadership of your vision. That is the downstream. That's right. Yeah. The easy path. And when things feel really hard and upstream, what happens if you pull up the oars and just let the boat flow for a minute? Things get easier yeah. and you, you start winding your way through what unfolds and maybe paddling a little bit because you want to that there's a fork in the river and you want and you're really <laughs> attracted to that side of the river. Yeah. Just jump out of the boat. <laughs> I also like the picture sometimes when I'm coaching people, I feel like they're stuck 
in an eddy. Yeah. Eddy is like a little circle For of water sure. that's on the side that you, you just spin. I find, I don't know about you, and maybe we can talk about fear. But for me, I usually notice that people are stuck because fear is controlling them and they're afraid to push their boat back out into that river, take some risks, hit the rapids if they have to. Yeah. Thoughts on that? I actually have a lived experience of getting stuck in an eddy. Ah. I was out with some friends. We were river rafting on the Kern River. The rains had been super high that year. And so the rapids were probably a couple of levels above what we should have actually been in as novice river rafters. Have it, all of us having the adventurous spirit, we don't pay attention to that. We're like, let's go. I got bounced out of the boat. I got stuck in one of those, and it's a whirlpool on the backside of a rock in this particular case. The, the, and this one had a name. It was called Joe's Diner. Because oh. if you visited it, you never left. And I kept getting pulled under the water and I would, and spinning, like what it would feel like to be in a washing machine, head up, breath spinning, head up, breath spinning. And I'm like, what in the heck is happening? I said, I went inside and I said one of the most biggest prayers I've ever said, get me out of this now. Because I knew my life was at stake. And I got blown out of that thing. I went flying down the river so fast by myself and there's rocks everywhere. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to hit my head. Like, this is, this is not going to end up well. I'm passing the rafts because I'm a single person. I'm going really fast. And of course they teach you, if you see somebody in the water, throw an oar out because they'll be able to reach it. And I see my boat. Two guys are like, and then one of them stuck his oar out. And I think I literally must have launched myself out of the water like a breaching whale. Grab that oar. It had to have been 25 feet away. It wasn't right there. And I'm like, at all costs, I will grab that oar. I grabbed that oar and they pulled me in the boat. My knee was severely damaged. I had cuts on my lips and my head. And I was so shaken from having, it was a good five minutes I was in that thing. How it's just going to mess up your energy system and your body going, that was shocking. And so they took me over and I got off and the bus drivers came and got me. But you can stay stuck there spinning and still breathing and being afloat and living for a long time. But there's no thriving there. There's a point where you, that you could stay stuck in this is all there is, which is what fear does, right? It's like a drunkenness of the, the rest end of my life. This is it. Is staying stuck in this whirlpool. Let me just figure out how to cope with it. That's really not elevated thinking. Elevated thinking says, get me out of this now. What does that look like? And so that's what I would say about that kind of experience, especially around money. People can get really stuck in a money trap, find a way to cope with it, right? And live with it as it is because they aren't really being honest that they don't really like it and they'd really prefer it another way. But the fear has them thinking, don't ask for any more. You're lucky you got this. It's okay. We're breathing. We're okay. We'll be okay. And yeah, that's true. And that's great. And absolutely be grateful for that. But it also, it doesn't elevate what's really possible. Does that make sense? Yeah. Darling listeners, we did not plan this. She wasn't like, uh, talk about an eddy. So I can tell you this no. story that's going to make <laughs> your heart pound. And then I'm going to be able to weave it back to not getting stuck in fears. I'm like in awe and my heart is pounding, but at the serendipity of this thought. So getting stuck drains our energy. 
Yeah. And then asking for help is what got you out of it, which I find there's lots of ways to ask for help. We can just ask for help from whatever we might believe is out there, our higher self, God, the universe, uh, Ralph, I don't know. Whatever you believe in. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also asking for help for actual people, coaches, financial advisors, fill in the blank. What I love is that that asking for help and not just trying to power your way out of that spin. I love the lesson in that, getting help. And then I loved that you looked for that when somebody threw you a lifeline. Yeah. I think that a lot of times those lifelines are being thrown at us all the time. We're not looking. Yeah. Looking and see, not they're there. We're not seeing them. And what's interesting, imagine you might agree with this, knowing you now, as I do. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, we're kind of in the same realm in the world that once we start seeing those lifelines, either there are more or we notice them more. What's your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I want to go back to something you said and then answer what you just asked about, yeah, it's asking for help, but I think it starts with fear to me is like being drunk. Everything's all cloudy. What seems really real seems really real. Mm-hmm. And the way, what, what elevated me out of my experience of being whipped around and take a breath, whipped around, take a breath was like elevating myself out of the experience I was having thinking about it differently, going, if there's a way out, where is it? And asking a question based on that. Yeah. I would say ask for help, but also elevate your thinking above what if the experiencing you're having right now isn't really real? Right. What if there's a way out? Like what's the elevated thinking? What's the elevated question that would actually break up the experience that you're having? I don't know if I would have ever come out of it if I didn't ask I'm a believer that I always believe there's a through line and I believe there's more than enough money on the planet for everybody to have more than enough. If we work out our stuff around it individually and personally and resolve some of that, then more comes to you. That's what you're all about and what you're talking about. And so that's where I think fear, we make that actually be real and we don't question its validity. And I was questioning the validity of the experience I was having is that's it. I'm dead. I'm done. Let me just hold my breath. It's like, nope, there's a way out of this. I went, I got elevated. I got above it. And so how do you get above when you're stuck in something like that? You've only made enough money to pay the bills for the last 10 years and you have zero in your savings account. You don't even have a savings account and there's never more than enough. Have you ever questioned if that's really the truth about all there is, right? Get above it, then ask for help. Go ahead. In terms of money and wealth, how do you get above that feeling there's no way out? How do you? Yeah. It's a little pulling yourself up by your bootstraps-ish. Yeah. Yeah. How does someone do that? Well, I think the first thing is you have to really believe that there's a life beyond paying the bills. If you're really willing to dedicate yourself to resolving the imposed and inherited limited beliefs and impositions and all the nonsense there is out in the world about money, wealth and prosperity, really willing to dig into having your own relationship with it and discovering what's actually real and true for you, free and clear of all the stuff that your parents modeled or some financial hardship that happened to you, that tainted you, judgments that you've made. We all come into this world, unfortunately, carrying common narratives around money. 
there's never enough. I have to work too hard. I don't want to work that hard. There's a whole other narrative. If you're a woman around the feminine and money, there's a whole other thing. Women aren't supposed to be good with money. We can't be powerful and feminine. We can't be spiritual, follow our values and make money. We've projected all this emotional nonsense on money, wealth, and prosperity. It's a tool. It's a measure of currency. It's a valuing system that was based on sacred math that's in this paradigm that's been so greatly misused and misunderstood that people really haven't given themselves the opportunity to find out what they really truly think and feel about it because they're too busy people-pleasing other people about it or they don't want to upset people who'd be afraid who would get upset with them if they broke through and went ahead. Yeah. Women are really bad at tearing each other down. If one of the sisters in the circle all of a sudden becomes a millionaire, everybody else is like, oh, I'm left behind, you know, blah, and they don't support it. And it's like, we can't keep doing that anymore. Right. One of my coaching clients in a military community, yeah, the potential gossip when she is beginning to charge what she's worth and way more than any of the other photographers that yeah. serve the community she has to work on being okay with whatever they're going to say and do and being confident that what she offers is value. I know she's going to like soar from that and she's going to inspire others. Their act, my picture is that people are going to be and want to learn from her as opposed to trying to pull her back down into the bucket of crabs. will right. pull each other down. <laughs> what you mentioned about telling ourselves what's real and true about money. One of the things I love about being an entrepreneur is that whatever is our weak spots and our strengths, those get to grow side by side. We get to be the best versions of ourselves. Yeah. We are doing it right, in my opinion. Money fear is a childhood issue. Depression, childhood depression, kid as well, grandchild, or yeah. I always would have this fear that I was going to become a bag lady. Yeah. I hear that one a lot. I was in some program where we were telling our truth and someone was saying, okay, and then what, and then what, and then what? So I walked through the, I'm not going to get jobs, then I'm not going to get there, I'm not going to get money and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to lose my house, going to get me broke. I'm going to be a bag lady. Four decades, I stopped right there. This line of questioning of, and then what? It hit me that my truth is I'd be an awesome bag lady. I'd find a community. I'd get a great shopping cart. I would work it out like a soap bubble, that fear. Let me understand. I will handle it, make the best of whatever comes my way. Yeah, I'd be an awesome bag lady if needed. It's not my first choice, (laughs) (laughs) but I'd deal with it or I wouldn't. Yeah. If anyone happens to have a shopping cart, I'm celebrating you. I'm not. Okay. Scratch that last part about if anyone, please edit that last part out about if anyone has a shopping cart, take that out. It was an unformed, good, unformed thought. So editors, clean it up. Thank you. He sets the term sacred math. What is sacred math? If you dig into some information about the Fibonacci, right, which is the wave, it's a wave of an event happening. And there's, there's math in there, right? There's binary code in there. There's code in there that if you really wanted to, you could decode it. When you reach a certain spot on the wave, then it creates another wave and it amplifies what already happened and takes it to the next level. And you can keep doing that, right? 
when I think about money, wealth, and prosperity, I look at it more from the perspective of that this was sacred math, that this is a, a divine coded system that's down here on the planet for our benefit. There's a lot of misuse and there's a lot of misunderstanding. But what if I could tune in to what's the best way for me to use that in service to the things that I believe are in service and are mine to do, express, create, or experience, what would that look like? That's that sort of elevated questioning again. One of the things that's come to me is wealth is really about our ability to create and co-create instead of react. That's the game changer. As photographers, we use photography as a tool to show people what we see in our mind's eye. Mine used to be called through my iris, like it's looking through the lens. We're trying to tell the story of something. We're trying to communicate something. We're trying to share something. We're trying to give the look of the viewer a sense of place or a sense of an emotion or somehow get them involved in the photograph, right? Or the video, whatever. Our ability to be able to do that is the same ability to create wealth, to run a prosperous business, and to find a creative way as a photographer to make a lot of money doing it. If you wanted to really distill that down, I think that's based on sacred math because it's what you feel called to do. And the more people that are doing the work they want, they love to do and want to do and feel there's service inside of it, find the profitable ways to do that, then we start to shift the whole money paradigm around the people who know how to make and use money in a way that's for the highest good. Whoa. My brains are splattered around the room now because my head just exploded. I love it. All the time you were talking about this, the times I've heard the term Fibonacci, yeah. it's always around imagery and photographs and the golden mean and all of that. It's in Lightroom as a way to crop a photo. <laughs> yeah. So it's a thing that is visual, Real. but clearly there's a lot more to it replicates is the point. Yes. I love, I guess what I think I'm hearing too is there's like a force mm -hmm. when we latch onto it. I'm a boogie boarder. I don't know. Do you get in the ocean there in Monterey? I haven't yet, but lived in Hawaii for 10 years and I'm a free diver. So. so there's that sweet spot when you're catching a wave Yeah, that when you get into that, you're compelled, you're moved forward. I'm thinking that's exactly that comes all into this whole wealth thing as well. That's exactly right. You nailed it right there. Yeah. That it's not just going downstream. It's also finding that place where there's that burst of energy that moves us faster. Yeah. Ooh, I love well it. said. The analogy is like, well, I'm going to go out. I'm the traditionally masculine money making system says, well, I'm going to go out and make some money. That's like getting on your boogie board and going out in the middle, paddling, paddling your arms off out in the middle of the ocean going, I'm going to make a wave. I'm going to make a wave. I'm going to make a wave. Right? Like how nonsensical is that? Right? Yeah. Versus like, where's the flow that's in alignment and let me ride it and let me catch it and let me harness that burst of energy. Yeah. It's already there. It's already there. When I'm getting this Fibonacci, I like Italian words. <laughs> 
there is a force, there's a flow that's already in existence. Yeah. However you define wealth, because it doesn't just mean a billionaire. Wealth has many dimensions and some people feel wealthy just by having a roof over their head and food for the next week. And that's wealth in their existence in life. And then some people, billions are not enough. Yeah, there is a force that partners with us when we can catch that wave. I love it. I want to have a side order because I promised at the beginning a side order of wildlife photography, ways to monetize it. I was surprised as Julie and I met, it was a coaching podcasting event, right? Yeah. Was it the New Media Summit? Yes. Then when we became Facebook friends and I started seeing these unbelievable wildlife photographs. I I didn't even know Julie was a photographer. Wow. Tell me a little about making money with nature photography because I know there are people that what they would love or that's what they're already doing. They want to know how to maximize that. I think there's a lot of ways, first of all, is you really got to take your nature photography to the next level because so many people have cameras, so many people use iPhones, social media with Instagram especially, has become so much more visual than it used to be. So there's a plethora of images all over the world every minute of every day. Find what it is that really stands out in your imagery. Talking to your friends, they'll tell you, I know I learned what mine was and I could never give it a voice. That was that people know what it feels like to be stared down by a black black man Kalahari lion. I take them to Africa with me. That's, I was begged to put together this coffee table book, and so I did. I think you got to really find what your signature thing is and share that a lot. Put that out there. Build a following. I was talking to a friend of mine. We snuck out on Monday to go hunt for bobcats, so we were in the car together for about 11 hours. But we started talking. He makes a lot of money off of Getty Images, and it's not hard to get on it. And one of his is an image of a badger. He said he sold it over 1,500 times. And he makes a lot of money off of travel, and he can't travel right now, so all of his trips for the next six months have been canceled. His Getty images are actually carrying him financially. He really encouraged me to sign up because he's like, you never know what's going to be the thing that hits. He's make tens of thousands of dollars off of one image. Wow. We all talk about it, but do we actually do it? The cool thing about Getty is they don't require you to produce a minimum amount of work on a monthly basis. A lot of stock agencies do, so they're very persnickety about who they'll take. I think some of the other ways are, be we're in this time where people are at home. I've had this idea for a while. I have yet to do it, but what if you brought people into a membership group of some kind where you shared your stories or you took them on a photographic journey. Maybe you do people photography and you've been to India. You want to have a mom or dad and kids instead of TV night, they come and view your, they have a slideshow night with you and you take them to India with you, you know, and it's like 10 bucks a family or something like that. There's all kinds of super creative ways right now where people are at home. They're with people they're not used to being with 24 seven. They want to find new ways to do things. It's all homeschooling. How can you use your photography to augment homeschooling? I think is a a potential opportunity. 
How can you use your photography to augment entertainment, get people off of TV, which I don't think parents want their all their kids sitting around watch TV or gaming on their devices and instead make it a family thing. Brilliant. I think there's a ton of things that you can do. Calendars, screen savers, right? Because people are on computers left and what if you're somebody, I think this is another idea, on Zoom, you can have the virtual backgrounds. What if you go out and tell people that you send me 10 of your family photos and I'll make you a collage that you can use as a virtual background when you're on Zoom, right? Interesting. I'm going to sell you a pack of 10 of my nature images that you can use. Yep. I like the... Or how about people that aren't photographers that went on some cool trip and they got a bunch of digital images and they don't know how to edit them. And you can edit them for them and give them back artwork and montages. Right. Have you monetized your wildlife photography or is it yeah. the main way you've done that is what? The main way is the book. There was first round of the book and then the second round is stuck in South Africa. So as soon as those books are out of lockdown, the wild sacred beauty, as soon as those books are out of lockdown, then that's the big surge that's coming. But I've also monetized them by, if you're a nature photographer, for people photographer, I'm not as much of that. So I'm sure there's some of these similar applications, but they're out there in the world with scientists and they'll use them to write grants, support their thesis about things. Cause I have a lot of underwater images. Scientifically, they can be used and there's ways that people will pay you for that. I've also, I flat out, people see my images on Facebook and I get messages and they buy framed copies. They buy blowups. I've had images, I have an image of a Jaguar that has sold a lot. I literally, a friend wrote me a check and bought it off the wall of my house. I love it. One of my Facebook friends does exceptional flowers. Like I take yeah. pretty pictures of flowers. I love that. But I'm always like, wow. Flowers are hard. And I love peonies. And she did this one of a half open peony yeah. with a black background. And I was like, Debbie, it's Debbie Lefebvre. Debbie, do you sell your images? And she's like, here's my shopping cart. And I bought it and I enjoy it every single day. Yeah. Get a shopping cart, people. That shopping cart, exactly. But don't underprice yourself. But don't underprice it. Charging 30 bucks for an 8 by 10 or something, it's hardly worth the effort. Oh, I was in Yellowstone and I noticed that I kept giving people, a, having conversations, because as most people probably are not surprised, I can talk to just about anybody about something. And so on the trail, especially if a lot of times they had more expensive camera equipment than I even own with them on their backpacks because I'm not about equipment. I'm about selling and having the equipment I need to make that work. Getting into conversations and doing some teaching on the trail. Yep. And so I was hanging out in the, where they have the like information room, whatever it's called, talking to one of the people that have been on the trail. And I was like, you know, this would be a fun thing to do is in the summer, travel to national parks and give photography classes. He said, we're part of a group that travels. We all have RVs. We go to about three national parks a season together. I could see somebody creating a whole business where you learn where they're going to be and then you show up there and you give some classes. So you're not organizing a big old trip that you have to get all the yes. details and lodging. You're teaching photography. So that could be fun. How do you like that idea? 
I think that's a great idea. And how easy to not do it from the trip perspective, but build a list and tell people, all right, I'm going to be here at this time, that this blah, 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 sign up in advance, give me this much money, and then we'll do two days and I'll look at your images and we'll course correct and then you can go on your way and you don't have to be the travel agent. Like, right. A better model to go with, really. Yeah. What I noticed that I got in a lot of conversation is people had Canon 5D Mark IVs, all kinds of lenses. I was like, do you shoot on RAW or JPEG? And of course, they were all shooting on JPEG. With all this equipment, they could have a point and shoot for all it mattered. And then I said, well, what do you do with the images? And they said, well, maybe sometimes I make an 8 by 10 To me, that was like the perfect teaching people why RAW thinking outside the box. And even I have an acquaintance in San Diego who does photo tours in San Diego. So the people come here. She is quite successful at taking people and she gets to do travel and nature photography and guide them. Yeah, it, she created a whole business out of that. There's always good ideas. I think every photographer, regardless of your subject matter or what you shoot, today could easily launch a backyard challenge around your bucket, right? What's around your house and in your backyard? You could easily launch a backyard challenge and build more of a following and get names on a list or a group or something like that. And you get involved and you see what people are doing and the people that fall in love with it, you can offer them a private something or a group something and take them deeper. I think that's a no-brainer. Yeah. One of my clients is doing a weekly contest. She's a pet photographer. People are submitting a photo on a theme, like my pet helps in the kitchen or the wild ride, an idea every week. She's aligned with someone in her networking group who is the judge and gives a prize that week. She gets to grow her business because the judge wants to promote it in their, like, a jewelry store or a pet store or something wants to promote it in their community as well. And I thought that was just brilliant. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we got to get together and hang out. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I have a couple last questions. So how do people get in touch with you um, if they want more support or to learn more about what you offer? Yeah, one of the easiest ways is to send an email to support at juliesteelman.com. You can also visit my website, juliesteelman.com. Photography website is wildsacredbeauty.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram under my name. I would love to hear from you, answer any of your questions, support you in any way that I can. And I know you have a special gift. How would they find that? Yeah. So if you're feeling like you're getting stuck in a money trap and your creativity feels a little clogged, you can go to, you have to type www.moneystorybreakthrough.com. You can enter your email address. There's also a little video on that site about how we get stuck in these money traps. You'll immediately receive a little workbook that's really fun to work through transform your money story so you can get your creativity uncorked and find that next new idea that will work for you during this time. I love it. When you said uncorked, I had this vision of champagne uncorking and popping and a big flow coming out. Oh, I love that. So my last question is what would be either something you haven't shared that you want to be sure 
people uh, hear from you or something you want people to take away today? I really want to encourage you at any time, but especially during this time, is to really get clear about the life you most yearn to live and then figuring out how much money you might need to live that life and then really committing yourself to having that be your life. Everything that you dream about that you want starts to be aligned, right? That's when you find that burst of energy on that Fibonacci wave is when you're working and operating from that place. That's the secret. I love that. One of the things we didn't talk about is I find I'm challenged with knowing when I'm there. I've been living my dream in my life for so, so long. And yet that inner anxiety that I need to keep growing and pushing and doing more and more, 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 more. So that's another topic for another day. I can see how being clear about that, then when we arrive, we get to relax and celebrate. There's always something new for most of us. You're not going to just sit once I get there, but just love that. That's beautiful. Get clear about the life you most want to live. So I will remind you to stay tuned, darling listeners, to my wrap up of this really rich conversation. Julie, this has been so fun and I look forward to more conversations, uh, getting to know you and seeing you in Monterey or San Diego sometime. So thanks for being on the show. Thank you. This was so fun. Yeah. All right. Bye for now, Julie. Bye. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.